0: Y'all don't mind if I'm a little closer to you this morning than you're used to? Good. And if you'd said yes, it wouldn't have made any difference. Three days ago,
1: uh, I had an adventure. It was a wonderful adventure. Valerie and I were actually up in Canada uh, most of this last week. had a great time, but we were on a ferry coming back from Vancouver Island, and I'd gotten up and gone for a walk around the boat, and it was one of those magic moments as the boat moved one direction I moved the other, and down I went, and as a result, stairs have become an issue for me for a
0: little while, so I'd rather be close to you anyway. Scripture I'd like to share with
1: you this morning is from Philippians 2, the same chapter that was read earlier, and picking up actually where we left off at verse 12. I'm reading this morning from the English Standard Version, because I like it. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but Holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in, la- in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Father, as we get into your word a little bit together this morning, I pray that the voice that is heard would be your voice.
0: I pray you would speak to us and that nothing I say or do would get in the way of what
1: you desire to communicate to us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your presence among us. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. It was probably the first Sunday school song I ever learned. At least I don't remember learning a song any earlier than I learned this one. It's a song that reflects the passage I just read. You know the song. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. You heard it?
0: Yeah. This little light of
1: mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. What a great choir. You're good. There was a point in Jesus' ministry where he told his followers, I am the light of the world. But before he said that, as he was teaching his followers on the side of the hill in what we call the Sermon on the Mount, he said to them something quite different. He said to them,
0: you are the light of the world. And the Apostle Paul picks up the same theme here in Philippians.
1: Those earlier verses of chapter 2 are such a, a great and powerful description of, of really what communion depicts, of what it's like for us
0: to be Christians. And Paul follows it up with this encouragement to shine. As lights in the world.
1: Interestingly enough, it's not a command he gives, it's actually just a description. He doesn't say to them, Okay, you Philippians, shine, turn on the light.
0: Now, what he says is, You are shining. He describes
1: them as those who shine. It's a reflection of of what, what joyful living under the Lordship of Jesus Christ is supposed to look like. But as I read those words, and as I reflect on what Jesus had earlier said to his disciples, there's a part of my mind that says, Okay, let it shine, yeah. But what does that really mean in this world?
0: How do I do that? How do I make that work? The good news is Paul has some hints for us. He's got some help. And he tells
1: us how to let it shine. Therefore, my beloved... As you've always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There's hint number one. Work out your own salvation. Now let me be quick to point out what Paul is not saying. He is not saying work for your salvation. Not at all. He's saying the salvation which you have been given is a free gift. Work it out in your life. It's actually
0: a, a word that,
1: that means to, to bring to a, an appropriate and decisive conclusion that which has been intended.
0: So when Jesus saved Malcolm, What did he intend? Did he intend to just sort of drop me in the world and see what happened? No, he had in mind something more than that, I think. Work out your own salvation. God is interested in change.
1: Interested in change in your life and in my life. But he's interested in change, I think, in a slightly different way than we are. When, when we talk or think about change, we, we tend to think about change from the outside. When I think of somebody who needs to change, I'm usually thinking of behavior. I'm thinking, I wish that person didn't do that and did this instead. I'm wishing I could could modify that person's way of living or acting or behaving. When God deals with change, he deals with change from the inside out rather than from the outside in. So whereas I think of change in terms of changing behavior, God thinks of change in terms of changing my heart, which is much more effective. Because if he changes my heart, there's a good shot that the behavior will follow.
0: But sometimes there's this gap. And it's in that gap that most of us live most of the time. And so the Apostle Paul
1: says to the Philippians, work out your salvation. Let what God has done on the inside of you work itself out in the way you live, in the way you act, in the kind of
0: decisions you make. Okay? If, if I'm going to do that, then what is it that God did when he saved me? Well, he gave me eternal life, right? Eternal life's a good thing. So I have to ask myself, Malcolm, do you live like you have eternal life? Or are you forever living in the moment? We sort of have to live in the moment because we're present tense people.
1: But never without a view to what God has done. Because he has created us as eternal beings. He has given us eternal life. And the way in which I live my life somehow ought to reflect that I am an eternal being that there is more to this life than
0: today. There's more to this life than
1: a ferry boat trip on which I end up on my keister. There's more to life than this, that, or the
0: other. There is. Work out your salvation. When God saved me,
1: He made me at least positionally holy. He sees me as set apart in Christ. And so I need to ask myself do I live in a way that reflects what God has done on the inside? Am I living as a holy person?
0: And if I'm honest with myself, the answer to that question is, sometimes.
1: And I glance over at my wife and she's smiling. She might not agree with the sometimes part.
0: (laughs) We struggle. We struggle.
1: It's a good encouragement that Paul gives to these people. Work out your salvation. Take what God's done on the inside and let it work itself out in your day-to-day experience.
0: In short, live like a Christian.
1: Well, that's... Hint number one, but what does it really look like to live like a Christian? Hint number two follows closely on the heels of hint number one, verse 13 For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God is at work. I got news for you. When God saved you, he wasn't done. That's good news. That's not
0: bad news. That's good news. He's still at work in you. Fashioning you. shaping you. Chipping off some sharp parts. Sanding you down where you need to be sanded. God's at work. He's at work in you, and He's at work around you. Sometimes, sometimes we live life as though we thought that God saved us and then went on vacation. He is not on vacation. Uh, Not even if I want Him to be on vacation, is He on vacation? He's at work. So the challenge to me then is to cooperate with what God is doing. God is at work, and he invites me to work with him.
1: I need to cooperate with what God is doing in me, and I need to cooperate with what God is doing around me. That simple little preposition, in... Same word is, is translated two for verses further down as among.
0: God is at work among you. God is at work in you. Both are true. Figure out what God's doing, and then look for ways that you can join him in what he is doing. You see, you're unique. There is nobody just like you. God created you as a divine
1: original. He gifted you in a particular way. There's nobody that has your exact mix of giftedness. No one. Just
0: you. God made you just the way he wanted you. He gifted you just the way he wants to. He gifted me just the way he wanted to. There have been times I haven't always been happy with that mixture. Well, that's just tough for me. It was God's choice, not mine. Because he knows what's best. It's God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You know, if we, if we miss out
1: on what God is doing, if we miss the opportunity to cooperate with what his work is in us and around us, what we're missing is not just an opportunity to work, What we're missing is an opportunity for grace. To see God's grace in
0: action in our lives. Because he is a graceful God. And what he is doing reflects his character. God's at work. Join him. In what he's doing. Ask yourself, how, how does my
1: unique mix of, of who I am, how does that fit with what God's doing in me and around me? How do I fit into
0: God's kingdom work? And if you have no idea what the answer to that question is, ask God for enlightenment. I think that's a question he will delight to answer. Third hint, you're not going to like this
1: one, but it's there in the text. Verse 14, Do all things without grumbling or disputing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Sure. Sure. All right, God, do you know what it's like living in my world? There's plenty to grumble about. There are plenty of things that just don't go the way they're supposed to go. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. By the way, that word translated disputing, it's a word from which we get dialogue. If you read it in the Greek, it would look like dialogue.
1: Do all things without grumbling or feeling it necessary to have an extended conversation with the Lord about it first.
0: You ever felt like that? Valerie, some
1: of you know, was a recordist for gospel recordings for a number of years, uh, helping to make available God's Word in audio form for groups of people who didn't have it. And I remember her telling me early in the process, she sat down and she wrote up a list of all of the reasons she could think of why she should not be a recordist. I have made that kind of list. And maybe you have too. You've had these mental discussions with God where you know what he's calling you to, but you'd like to have a lengthy conversation with him first in the hopes that maybe you can change his mind or he'll get tired and go away. But you don't really want
0: him to get tired and go away, do you? See, God understands being eternal a whole lot better than you do. He'll hang around long enough to bend you to his way of thinking. Don't complain.
1: Even though the reality is that there are some times when I don't actually want to cooperate with what God's doing,
0: Don't complain.
1: It's probably at least a dozen years ago now that I was sitting in a conference of mostly retired people. The speaker was Chuck Swindoll. At that time, in his mid seventies, he's now in his mid eighties and still going strong. And he stood in front of that group of people, large group of people, and came as close to yelling as Chuck ever does. And what he said was this, don't complain about your age.
0: There have been abundant opportunities in the last 12 years for me to remember that. Don't complain about your age or anything else as far as that goes. Number one, you can't, you can't control it anyway. You can't change it. God knows how old you are. God knows how many years you've got left. knows how many years I've got left. I've come to accept the fact that
1: this body has an expiration date and I don't know what it is. It's always had that expiration date. God knows. I don't.
0: You're the same way. Just assume that if God's calling you to do something, he knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's planning, and he's not making a mistake. Problem is, if you're grumbling, you're not shining. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No. That bushel basket often takes the form of complaining. One more. One more wonderful hint here.
1: Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent. Children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world.
0: Find the darkness. You want to shine? Find the darkness. The trouble
1: is, there are a lot of Christians that don't want to find the darkness. We'd rather hang out with other Christians. We'd rather hang out
0: where the light is. But you
1: see, my light, my the chorus is right, my little light, is a lot less noticeable when there are a bunch of
0: other lights around. When do you get the best, best view of the stars?
1: Is it not when you get away from the lights of the city? When it's dark? And suddenly you begin to see the mass of what God has
0: created up there because it's not obscured by other lights. You want to shine. Find the darkness.
1: Good heavens, it's not hard to find. It is a crooked and twisted world in which we live. There's plenty of darkness. It's all over.
0: Find it and shine there.
1: Valerie and I sometimes joke about forming our own mission agency. It's going to be called Uninhabited Fields Mission. Because, you know, when you get involved in serving the Lord, the problems always involve people. And if you can just get where there aren't any people, the uninhabited fields, that's where it would be easiest to serve.
0: It's a joke, I think. Though there are times when we have felt that way. The option of uninhabited fields is not a biblical option, though. It really isn't. The language of this scripture is clear. Without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, you're right there in the middle of them among whom you shine as lights in the world. And every time I want to find refuge in uninhabited fields mission, I need to remember the in the midst part and the among part of that verse. Because that's what God's called us to.
1: if we want to shine. The rest of the chapter, Paul turns his attention to two people, both of whom are good examples of individuals who shine. And I'm going to let you explore that on your own. One of them is Timothy, who is very different than Paul. Timid.
0: A little withdrawn, perhaps.
1: But Paul called him a person who was genuinely concerned for the welfare of the Philippians. A man with a a track record, proven worth. The other was Epaphroditus, a man that the Philippians
0: had sent to Paul with a gift.
1: Unfortunately, Epaphroditus had gotten sick. And as a result of the illness, his return to Philippi was delayed. And it would seem from the scripture that there may well have been those in Philippi that were having second thoughts that perhaps were thinking to themselves, you know, we blew it when we
0: picked Epaphroditus for that. Should have picked somebody else, someone a little stronger. Someone that might not have gotten sick on us and Paul encourages them tells them he's going to send him back and tells them to receive him with joy and to honor him huh. i got bad news for you i'm up here encouraging you to shine But the truth of the matter is, those who shine are not always honored. Got it? Those who shine are not always honored. The bottom line is, so what? The honor belongs to him. This little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. Song's been around a long time. Chris Rice wrote a different song. Probably almost 20 years ago now, with the same message. Lyrics to that song say, Carry your candle. Run to the darkness. Seek out the hopeless, confused, and torn. Hold out your candle for all to see it. Take your candle. Go light your world. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Lord, this little light, the light you've given us, help us this week to let it shine. Whatever it takes in the midst of the darkness to which you've called us, let it shine till Jesus comes. Let it shine. Thank you, Lord. Amen.